Hello, and welcome to Core Sampler, the podcast where we drill into the Sitecore community to bring you insights into the work talented people are doing every day on the Sitecore Experience platform. Whether you're a developer, a marketer, or both, we're glad you're here. And now your host, Derek Dysart. Welcome to Core Sampler. My name is Derek Dysart, and in this episode, we sit down and talk with Joe Bissell, someone whose name I've probably mentioned more than once uh, in several episodes of this podcast. I've wanted to sit down with Joe for quite a while. Um, Joe is a solution architect with EPAM, and um, I first ran into Joe at the Sitecore Symposium that was in New Orleans, which would have been, I think about it, it was 2016, and Joe had given a talk on DevOps on the Sitecore platform. And at the time, he worked for Comcast, which is a large internet provider, among other things, in the United States here. And um, at the time, and I still think this might be the case, it is one of the largest Sitecore installations in the world. They are running uh, several hundred content delivery servers across multiple data centers. Um, they're not um, they're, being a internet provider themselves. They're they're self hosting all of that, which probably makes sense um, in their case. But nonetheless, it was uh, such a complex uh, development environment, and he kind of outlined the process that they used. And I've kind of always wanted to talk to Joe, get him on the podcast to kind of cover the complexity of of running both running Sitecore at scale and kind of the the mentality. It, takes to make that successful. And in our conversation, we kind of get into how DevOps is not necessarily just a checkbox or a role that you fill. It's, it's more a cultural shift that needs to happen. So without further delay, please enjoy this conversation with Joe. I certainly did. Joe, welcome to Core Sampler. Thank you. So I wanted to have you on for quite a while. I think I've name dropped your 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 name in, in several episodes because you're probably the person that I know is best dealt with DevOps for Sitecore. Uh, why don't you give a little bit of background of kind of how you got to Sitecore and kind of how you ended up getting such a focus on DevOps? Well, you know, I started my career at um, at Dow Jones and. Uh, we were doing this little thing, and I kind of went. But I was a, I was an intern, and after that, I think Dow Jones was started going out of like uh, they were losing money. They laid off. You know, I got laid off, and then my first job was for an insurance company. And I started saying, well, when I was at Dow Jones, we did this, we did this, you know, this is, this is the way we have to do it. And somebody goes, oh, you're one of those extreme programmer guys. <laughs> so, and I never heard of it. And I said, okay, well, I, I guess I got to research and see if I am one of these guys. And it turns out that's what, exactly what I was saying. Yeah. Um, and part of extreme programming was continuous integration yeah, and unit yeah. testing and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's who I am. And, uh, I think it was uh, around um, 2005, um, I met Mary Poppendeek, and I sort of learned, like, lean. Okay. And I said, okay, well, that fits in with my methodology and, you know. So your, like, way of thinking. <laughs> think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I love this. So I've been following her, you know, and all that stuff. So I've been down this, like, sort of bleeding-edge, agile kind of continuous delivery stuff since about 2005. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, deployment automation, you know, cruise control.net and stuff like that. So 
every time I go in a new situation and a new technology, it doesn't know where it is. I, I have to f- make it fit my way of thinking sure, and sure. view of the world. And, and as an architect, and I've been an architect for a long time, you know, I don't architect things to be perfect on paper. I start out with, you know, I talk about this in one of my talks, um, the first time I talked at Symposium. I'm like, how are we going to deploy this? That's the most important thing because if we build something and you can't deploy it, it's worthless. Right, right. Um, and, you know, after 10 years of working in insurance and middleware and stuff like that, I, uh, I went to Comcast. I was supposed to work on a little chat application as a middleware developer. Uh-huh. And my boss came to me and I said, here's an EXE, install it. It's a new CMS we want you to figure it out. And uh, so me and a guy, Gabe, who talked at a different thing, um, were working on this CMS, trying to figure out two different times. I wound up working for him. They yeah. did a talk, and it was based on a lot of stuff we did, and that's that's how I got there. So. Yeah, so you were uh, at, so, and for, I, I think, most people in the U.S. will understand who Comcast is, but for kind of the international listeners, it's one of the largest cable providers in the U.S. market, if not the largest, it's the largest. They own. I mean, everybody's seen NBC Universal movies and yep. stuff like that. So it's the parent company to a lot of entertain. They consider themselves more of an entertainment um, and entertainment and technology kind of merger. But it's, I think, it was one of the the top fifty some of the top 50 in revenue in uh-huh. the U.S. So they're, and they're running they're all deal. of their web properties on Sitecore. So that's kind of how you got exposed to Sitecore then. Yeah, that, well, that was the first thing. It was a help and support site, and we will, we want to do we want to author articles in in uh, Sitecore, you know, figure out how it works, uh-huh. and you know, um, there was all these existing applications, and my goal was to make everything kind of work and and seamlessly integrate with uh, with all that stuff and be able to deploy and and then you know the thing that really got me deep into let's say DevOps with Sitecore uh-huh. was the fact that. Like I said, I I had been working on my um, help and support site. I had other teams working on um, the e-commerce part of, of uh, at the time it was uh, com- Comcast.com. Now it's Xfinity.com. And we would deploy, and it was very manual. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and I think people, a lot of Sitecore people can relate to it, that. It's, there's two different teams that were barely talking to each other except for the week of deployment. So I'd make a change. This guy would undo it. I said, we got to make rules. we got to build a platform. we got to, our stuff has to do that. And then by the end, you know, at that time we were deploying once a month. Everybody deployed together. It was very methodical. We were in the middle of the night calls. Uh-huh. By the, you know, by the time I left there, we had built like we separated things into like this is a platform based thing and you build on that platform and you know part of the deployment process was make sure that all the dependencies were deployed before that or it fail you know so we had it was very elaborate uh-huh. uh, but i was really proud of it because we were we were i think to production we had uh three different cd environments across the US and we were deploying like 200 to 300 some times a month. Right. So yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I mean, I, you, you touched on a part there too. And I think it, it I mean, at, at the, the 2019 symposium, Sycor made, a, made, a, made it a, a focus to include DevOps in the technical discussion. And I think 
uh, oftentimes we get hung up on, on on tooling for DevOps. You mentioned Cruise Control now, which is kind of one of an early precursor and all that. But I think going back, it's you know the, the, a lot of the discussion I heard was it's is more than just the tools. There's there's a culture involved with it as well. There's a cur- culture, and it's not just IT. It's beyond that because DevOps and continuous delivery and all that stuff. The Part of the idea is continuous learning, right? Uh-huh. So you deploy often, so your deployments are small, and you discover what is making a difference is what not. And if that feedback, if you can't collect that feedback and get it back to the people who are prioritizing stories and doing all that, it's not it, – to me, that's not DevOps. Like, it's like this, this philosophy that goes beyond um, – beyond it started in engineering, uh-huh. but it goes way beyond engineering to the to the you know highest level of how do I make a decision and how do I do an experiment to prove that that decision is right or wrong for our customers. Well, and it's, it goes back to the name agile too. Like you're able to move. I think you know, I think every marketer that would be listening is is probably been involved in a when am I going to get the update to my site? Like we've got this new you know whether it's a micro site or we've got we add some new functionality and you know they're waiting on engineering. Engineering's got them breathing down their neck to to get it implemented. And marketing's like when's it going to go live? And they're you know the the classic you know old model of we'll. we'll, we'll push it out when the whole thing is built this big monolith i think just no, because if there's a if there's a problem you can't identify which change you made think about a change set a yeah. normal change set that you make and that change set in and of itself has how many lines of code on average right and then you take that and times that by the number of developers and then, and then times the number of check-ins between the time which you know you last deployed till now uh-huh. and as okay there's our performance has gone down what's the problem yeah. what commit was it you don't know so if you know if you incrementally say okay i, I deployed some maybe it's not even ready for production just get it get the code out there let it execute yep. even if nobody sees it which is ideal and then you can kind of measure how things are working and you know that will tell you yeah we made the right decision or no let's next release we're just going to take that out or redo that push it out there i mean i've done things with um feature toggles okay and we were able to deploy things to production and through some magic where we put see um html headers in requests we could turn on the feature for just somebody who's testing it test everything in production with all the stuff isolated or you know expose that to some percentage of our customers uh-huh. you know and all that stuff understand that we had a problem, back it out, fix it, grow it out, and you know it, the the success rate is so much better. You know, it's it's really cool when you uh, when you see how when you see how the business reacts to that. That's the best part. Yeah, and I think you mentioned you mentioned something there. I, I don't know if a lot of people I I wasn't aware of them until recently. I mean, I think I knew the idea. It's kind of like a little flag you can have to turn this on and off. But like, it's a it's an accepted practice of. Uh, a feature toggle is you're you're deploying your brand new code that's going to work, but it's you you have it turned off, so to speak, that yeah, you can just turn yeah, it on at will. The idea there is deployments and feature enablement should be decoupled. Yeah, let's let's test that the code, the existence of the code, doesn't have an impact, and that way, once we do that and it's out in production, if you could turn it on, and if there's a problem, turn it off without doing a rollback, without doing deploy it. Everything is everything is nice. So, so right now, 
you know, I'm working at EPAM and my client is the Project Management Institute. And if you know the Project Management Institute, they did, oh, you know, they recently reskinned every single site that they had. They, they redid all their, um, you know, marketing stuff. Like their, their logo, the whole brand has changed. And um, they had people in the middle of the night scrambling, just deploying stuff and all this stuff. And the Sitecore stuff took two minutes because we had it all deployed in advance, hit a button, two minutes later, all the new branding was out there. Uh-huh. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, I've only recently started using feature toggles on a couple projects we had where, you know, there's a, there's an API that's changing and we've only got a test version of it. So we're, you know, calling one version of this, of this backend service. Um, and it's, and it's handy because otherwise you can't, you know, like you said, is decoupling, you know, the rollout of, of a feature with the deployment of code. It's really, and I I wrote a blog post about it like a couple of weeks ago, and everybody's like, "How do you do it with Sitecore?" And I was like, "There's so many ways to do it with right, Sitecore. Right. You know, you have the, the we have a module in in, in ours. There, there's a you know, there's a section in the system area that you know you can you can create a new toggle in there, and it's mm-hmm. just a checkbox. And you know, if it's checked and you publish yeah. that out, now that feature is enabled. Well, you could use you could use items, you could use rules, you could use A/B testing, yeah. you could use. Um, dependency injection like so instead of actually uh registering your component you register a factory for a component inject that yep. and then you know you have the rule inside the the factory to say this this is the type this is the type mm-hmm. I, do, I do that all the time that yeah. dependency injection is my favorite way to do feature toggles because it doesn't get messy like some people say well then i have all these if logics and stuff like that if you if you have if logic like if this feature is in enabled then if this feature is enabled then if you're doing something wrong right? well yeah there's, and then you're you run the risk of like of you deploy it. that code and that code's got a yeah, bug yeah, in yeah. it or something that's you know you're trying to trying to mitigate that I mean, i think stepping back a little bit further though of just look looking at what is what has historically been the challenge with devops and, and sitecore in particular i think i think you and i have lived through several versions of sitecore and it certainly has gotten better in terms of automating deployment and and all that, but I mean, t- take me through. On a- well, I think just the size of the Sitecore install is is um, is problematic, and this and the startup time. Uh-huh. You know, um, other than that, I don't think it's that much different than everything else. I think there's some advantage to doing feature toggles in in Sitecore that make it easier than other things, and uh-huh. and some things just because it's so big um, that makes it difficult. So. Yeah, yeah. When you when you think about your like approach to in general to DevOps, I guess what's you know, like if if somebody's new, maybe they're part of a smaller, they're smaller team. They're they're just you know their marketing department bought Sitecore and they're trying to, to get up and running on it. What's I, I guess mentally, how do you approach uh, getting getting that DevOps practice in place, especially when you're building you know something yes. as large as Sitecore? So I always think like I have this think backward approach to everything is DevOps. So what is, what is my goal first mm-hmm. and how do I get there? That's why I think, okay, this is the first thing I want to know is how we're going to deploy this. Um, so then the next thing is, should we deploy something? So how do I automate, you know, so what's the standards for unit testing? What's the standards for automated acceptance tests? Cause you don't want people manually testing everything and stuff like that. So I've, I've actually led teams. I got put on teams as like, so half the time you're going to do um, 
your regular architect role and you know half the time you're going to build a new uh, test team uh-huh. to do selenium tests and stuff so like that. So I tests. actually had two teams at one time. One of them was a you know test automation team, and my and then my other team was you know, um, you Wait, know. So, so I actually have an interesting question because the team I'm part of now is doing that. How did you guys handle where a lot of your tests are so dependent on content, and the content could be different? Well, I, I mean, J, JSS and the, the layout service makes a lot better because i think i think with sitecore you know that's been a that's actually been the challenge that's why it came to me uh-huh. um so you know how, every time somebody changes the content the tests break and so it's like well you know do you can you guarantee the um the component that you're trying to test is on the page that you're at you know there's there's ways of making like you can make a a test site that has certain things that like known content yeah um, that doesn't. That's not public facing, but it runs from the C, uh-huh. the, the CD environment, the standard CD environment. Yep. So you can test the features. Um, you know, like I said, I think that there's ways that you can put things in the header to enable things before people see them, uh-huh. um, and and that kind of makes rules. And then calling at the time, I think that the first time I did it was the. Uh, uh, Sitecore service client, but now I, you know the layout service is it's perfect for that. And yeah. you don't, it doesn't have to be a XSA site or a, a JSS site to use the layout service. It works, uh-huh. you know, for a lot of things. So I've I've done that. That's a really interesting approach. Yeah, and I, I've had things where you know we had to say so. There's like three states of a test in my in in that I was working on this time was uh, there's a pass test, which is what you want. There's a failed test, which is what you don't want, uh-huh. and then there's this, you know, pending, right? So that so you know, if you've ever run, um, you know, there's tests that you just can't set up. So I call the layout service. I look for something. There's no scenario that I could test, or even you know, with with backend data, like there's no data that I could get to mock out that would actually execute this scenario. So I put that pending, and then. When, when the in the CI pipeline, somebody could review that and say, oh, we never tested this part. Yeah. So they could make the decision manually whether or not to deploy. That's interesting. So, so you've, taken, you know, you've taken the approach. You're looking at, like, what is the end state I'm trying to get to and kind of work backwards? Yeah, I always like, work is, backwards. Yeah. What is the, I guess, what is the process from there then? So, uh, so how do I deploy? Mm-hmm. How do I roll back? How do I know when to roll back? And your answers to those are not like, oh, I you know run setup exe and click on a bunch no, of. Well, no, you're trying to figure it, out how to automate yeah, that. I, I don't even I don't even install Visual Studio anymore. I automated that because I've done it two. Once I do things two or three times, I was just like, I'm going to write a script. I, I just like the my. Uh, I tell people that developers are. T- are are not good at doing repetitive tasks, so don't ask them to do it. Yeah. Right. So oh, anything that, that's anything that's you know repetitive, you should automate. Yeah. I started with a new client, and they didn't really have their their like developer setup was, you know, here's a here's a document of like installing all this stuff, and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to reduce all this to like a twelve line chocolatey script, and like all of our toolings there, and like it goes through and sets up. You know, you give me a base base machine and via PowerShell and, uh, and Chocolatey, I'm going to install all my tooling. I'm going to enable all my Windows features. Yeah, that's, and, exact, that's and exactly what I do. Now it's done. And then the, the, the team I'm working with, we've automated quite a bit of the, you know, you pull down from Git and there's, there's scripts that dump the thing out and we'll set it up, set up the project locally. And it's, it's great. It's yeah. great. I, you know, it's one of the first projects I've been on where that's been automated at that point. And it's, 
it's a breath of fresh air. You're not, I mean, I've done, I've done images like laptop images. I've done, you know, throughout the years and stuff like that. That's exactly the tooling that you said. I got PowerShell script. It goes in, make sure the windows features are enabled, make sure that I install something. If it's not installed, I call a chocolatey script to install it, you know, and, and you're ready to go, you know? Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. I remember, man, I, a project a long time ago, it was, it was a full day to get, the site down. And now, you know, oftentimes the, the longest part is, you know, you're restoring a backup of your databases. And if they're, if you, your master database is quite large, it's just, you know, your local SQL takes a long time to, time to get that in place. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Well, Hey, I appreciate the, you taking the time to sit down. Like I said, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a while. Um, I'm glad you wanted to hear me because I, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I talk to people and they're like, whoa, you know, slow down. So yeah. I get excited about this stuff. Yeah, if know. people want to find out more about DevOps on Sitecore and, and finding you online, what's the, what's the best way to track you down? Um, probably on Sitecore Slack or Twitter are, are my favorite things. I'm on LinkedIn and I have a blog. It's um, uh, So I was a BizTalk developer at one time, so my Bis, B-I-S-S, talk.blogspot.com. Uh-huh. Blog, so. Biz talk, man. I haven't heard that in a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't either. We'll get links to all of that information on how to track you down online. And, uh, again, thanks for coming on. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Core Sampler. To see show notes from this and past episodes, please visit coresampler.fm. There, you can also subscribe to this podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a friend and then go to iTunes to rate and comment on our show. Even if you're using a different app to listen to us, those ratings and reviews really do help others find us. Are you a professional working with Sitecore and interested in joining the show? Or would you like to leave some feedback directly? We want to hear from you. Drop us a line at info at coresampler.fm. That is all for this episode of Core Sampler. We'll see you next time.